Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. Heavenly Father, we first of all want to say thank you. Thank you for being our Father in heaven. And we recognize you are the holy God of Israel. You are the creator God. And by faith in Christ, we're in relationship with this eternal God who has always existed. And Lord, that is such a massive thought. We are so humbled. We are so grateful. And we just thank you that all of us in this room... Those who may be joining on social media, those hearing the recording, we are one family in Christ. We are one family in God, and we thank you for that. Holy Spirit, we ask right now, you are the Spirit of truth, that you would move our hearts as we talk about the gospel message. Touch our hearts tonight. Flame our hearts Breathe on that ember in our heart, Lord. We want to love you more. We want to know your love for us. We want to love you. Increase that tonight, Father. And we ask for a renewed clarity, a renewed zeal regarding the gospel message. We want to be equipped to tell anyone at any time, this is how you get saved. You believe in Jesus. Help us tonight. Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us in the truth. Open our ears to hear what you would say to us through your word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, I've got notes, but I want to actually begin. If you have your Bible on your phone, or we may need to hand some out. Uh, Kids, bring up a... Yeah, is there in the back there maybe? I'm going to just read a couple passages that are not obvious on my notes. Once again, the notes, if you're seeing this on Facebook, the notes are on the website. The teachings tab of gphop.org teachings. Click on the little notes box. I've been reading through the book of Acts lately. A couple times, I was in Psalms for a couple months, and I just was so moved by the Psalms, and I felt like just wanted to get it back into the book of Acts, and I'm just so moved by the gospel message. And so I want to touch on this for a while. But as we talk about the gospel of Jesus plus nothing, I wanted to start just to kind of get us thinking and sort of orienting ourselves. I wanted to just read a couple passages, and the first one is in Galatians chapter 1. 
Galatians chapter 1. It gets so quiet when the air turns off. It's, it's like a hurricane, and then it's like, okay. But Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. This is how Paul starts his letter to the Galatians. I mean, what a way to begin a letter to, and again, this is to a citywide church in Galatia. He writes to them saying, I marvel that you are turning away so soon. That's how he starts the message. He kind of says, hi, hello, I'm Paul, and I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ. To a different gospel. I I just think, what a way. He goes on to say, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Then he says, but even if we, Paul says, even if I changed my mind, even if we, the apostles, or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. This is how Paul starts. Now, why would Paul need to say such a warning? You know, why would Paul need to start a letter by saying, um, I'm marveling not at your ministry, not at your faith. He says, I am absolutely dumbfounded that you're turning away from the gospel of Christ. We have a very uh, active child here, once again. I mean, he loves to answer the altar uh, call very early. I love that little boy. Thank you, Mom, for helping. So that's how he starts his letter to the Galatians. And then uh, let's flip. Uh, it's actually just a few pages the other direction, um, maybe just one page. In Second Corinthians 11, so this is in his... Uh, so Paul had been addressing Galatia in that, that letter, but now he's addressing Corinth. This is his second letter. He says this to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians eleven three to 4. Paul says, I have this fear. He says, I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Notice Paul doesn't say the complexity. He says the simplicity. Interesting, in verse 4, For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. And as I begin part two of this message, the gospel of Jesus plus nothing, I wanted to mention just a couple of those verses because as soon as the gospel begins to infiltrate early church society, as soon as it begins being declared, there's instantaneously opposition on all fronts. As soon as the early church begins to be an oracle, a herald into society saying, you can be saved from your sins and have security for eternity. All you have to do is believe in Christ. As soon as that message began to infiltrate the earth, the enemy is like, no, I I can't have that getting out. So I'm going to need to complicate this on every side. 
I need to confuse people. I need to distort this. I need to twist this. I need to, I can't allow a simple message like believe in Jesus to get out there because it's too helpful. It will, it will win too many people. And so as soon as the church is born on the day of Pentecost, and that was two weeks ago we talked about that, as soon as the church is born, the gospel begins to be preached. In fact, at that very moment when the tongues of fire fell, Peter stood up and begin to preach, anyone who calls on the Lord can be saved. As soon as that happened, there was controversy right after it. And so through the book of Acts and throughout the early church, you see this parallel movement. You see the gospel going forth and opposition at every corner. And that has, that has of course, for 2,000 years been the reality is wherever the gospel goes, there's a perversion of the gospel, or there's a, t- a temptation to turn to some other variation of it, or to want to, you know, put all kinds of rules to add to the gospel. But I'm here tonight to tell you the way that you and I get saved, or tell someone how to get saved, is to believe on the Lord Jesus. I am believing that there's going to be a movement of the Spirit like no time in history, and we're going to have absolutely so many people wondering, how do I come to know eternal life? How do I get saved from my sins? How do I do this? What work do I have to do? And the answer from the church is going to be, believe on Jesus Christ. That's the work we do. After we believe, we keep believing. (laughs) And after we believe for a while, we keep believing all the way to the end. And there's many things that I want to touch on in relation to the gospel, but I want to stay pretty close to this subject that it's, it's simple. If we don't get it right, we end up complicating it not only for ourselves, but to anybody else we talk to. Some people would say, well, why is it that big of a deal that we emphasize, you know, salvation by faith? Because if we get it wrong, if we make it complex, then the next guy we talk to, he thinks it's really complex. And then the person that he talks to, it's even more complex than there's a false gospel, apparently. Uh, or, or there's a fa- false gospel, eventually. He has got energy tonight. I'm going to let Zeke preach. So Paul is concerned about Galatia. He's concerned about Corinth. If he was here today, he'd say Central Illinois. I'm concerned that the gospel is under assault in your community. Paul would say, I want you to preach the same gospel that's been handed down for 2,000 years. Do not deviate from that. Let me flip over to Ephesians. This is another church Paul spoke to. Just notice the language. Notice this. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. If someone comes to you and says, I want to know how to be a Christian. What do I do? Okay, believe in Jesus. Okay, I get that. What's next? If you wanted to take them from believe in Jesus to what's next, I would say Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Teach me the theology of salvation. I mean, if someone was just hungry like that, Paul says to the church in Ephesus, he says, this this is some theology on what it means 
to be saved. You'll recognize these words. He says to the church in Ephesus that it's by grace you have been saved. It's by grace you have been saved. It was a gift to you. Through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. How did you and I get saved? God gave you a free gift. He just said, do you want to know me? Believe on my son Jesus. He goes on to say in verse 9, it's not of works lest anyone should boast. It's not of works. Here's the thing. The gospel itself, the gospel message originated within Jewish culture. The people who first proclaimed the gospel were Jewish. And the Jewish people for thousands of years believed I have to do works, I have to obey all the minutiae of the law of Moses in order to be righteous before God. And the most crazy trans... Uh, uh, the most crazy shift of, I mean, of the century, of, of, of all time happens. What, what once seemed to be salvation by works, now the message is salvation by faith in Christ. And so many people just couldn't, it just is like, what? I thought I had to do everything Moses said, the thousand little things that he told me to do. I've been trying to do that. And so if you can imagine, if you grew up in a culture that was absolutely about every little thing that was written, and i got to obey all of these hundreds of requirements, it amounts to in the thousands, I believe. If that's how you grew up, and now what you're hearing is, Christ fulfilled that. And so if you believe in him, you're good. All you have to do is believe in him. And that's just shocking to the system. It's, it's such a radical, that's the word I'm searching for. It's a radical notion if that's how you've grown up. And yet that is the, the true gospel message. It is by faith that were saved. It was a gift. We didn't do anything to earn it. We didn't do so many good works that God says, oh, you're up to 10,000 now. Now you get salvation. It wasn't anything like that. The Lord looked with mercy upon you and me and said, they don't deserve it, but I'm going to offer them this gift of eternal life by believing in my son they can accept it, they can reject it, but I offer it freely. This is so important. I praise God that you have accepted it, that I have accepted it, that many we know and love. But we do ministry because we want more people to know about it. We want more people to accept Jesus. As the one preacher said, we want to populate heaven and we want to depopulate hell. <laughs> we want as many people as we know and love to live forever in paradise, in heaven. I love this passage. By grace you've been saved. I praise God that the most significant message in history 
is not us having to tell people, if you do enough good, God will show you mercy. If you do enough good works, he'll present the gospel to you. If you you do enough good, if you stack it up and it outweighs the bad, then you might have a chance. I praise God that it's no matter what you've done, if you believe on the Son of God, Jesus Christ, if you believe and put your faith in him, you're good. You're in. You're in the door. Now, there's so much theology we can unpack. The moment we believe on Christ, we're as saved as Paul the Apostle was. We're as saved as John, Peter, anyone we read about in Scripture. The moment we believe, we're as saved as them. That's that's amazing. The moment we believe, the Holy Spirit enters our spirit. The moment we believe we have favor with God, we're his son and daughter. It happens like that. We don't spend the rest of our lives trying to work up to it. It's instantaneous when we believe. So much happens the moment we believe. In fact, we find out the rest of our life, everything that happened that moment, and we might not even feel it. I've heard so many stories about people who said, well, when I went to the altar, I felt the anointing and I got knocked over and I knew I was saved. I mean, I praise God for that. But that's, that's you know, one in a thousand. Most people, they just kind of quietly kneel and, Lord, I love you. I want to follow you. They're in for eternity. I mean, it's like, it's, it's amazing that it's that simple, but it really is that simple. It's not kneel there and then you're halfway in. Now you got to do a few good works to get 75% there and then you got to stay dedicated to get 90% there and then if you really do good in your 70s and 80s and 90s, then you're saved. No. One of the reasons I'm preaching this series is because there's many confused ideas of how we get saved and stay saved. You get saved by believing in Jesus You stay saved by believing in Jesus. And if you're sincere, if you really love him, you're not going to lose your salvation. And and that's another message for another time. I believe it's possible, but I don't think people go in and out of it depending on their mood or how they behaved. I don't think at the lowest point of our life we lost our salvation. We have a really amazing Savior. And sometimes we go through hard things and he holds fast to us. Some people go, I don't know where I'm at with the Lord. I mean, I've been, I was really in love with them, and then I went, you know, I, this happened, it was horrible, and I, I haven't prayed in a year, and he's holding fast to you. You have lost nothing. Now, I do think, I mean, if some people, they just, you know, 20 years goes by, and they are just bound and determined to hate God. I mean, it's like the harder they try, the more Jesus reaches out. So it's really hard to get away from him. But that's another message for another time, because... I think technically there are people who really do walk away and and some would debate, well, were they ever really a Christian? I don't know, only God knows. And it's not my business to judge who is in or out. I just want to preach the gospel. I want to call people to believe in Christ and to live for him for the rest of their lives. And so they're not wondering. You know what I mean? If, If it's like if you're wondering, well, let's, you know, let's, talk about let's I mean if you ever have if you haven't made a decision let's make a decision and then you're 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 good (laughs) 
but we don't lose our salvation because we had a hard year, a hard 10 years or whatever. We don't lose our salvation because we got in the flesh. No, once we are born from above or born again, as the scripture says, we're a son, we're a daughter. It's like kind of like when I gave birth, or I, I didn't, but my, when we, meaning my wife, gave birth to our five children, they're my children forever, no matter what they act like. They could be amazing or not amazing, it doesn't matter, they're my kids. And so some Christians are like, well, I'm not that good of a Christian, I don't know. No, you're totally saved, it's just not everybody's going to be the Apostle Paul. You know, well, I've really messed up for the last few months. You're still saved. Okay, so now I've gone on and on. Let me get back to my notes here. That's a little bit of introduction. And I just want to touch on a few other, few other things. So point number one. There is, as soon as the gospel begins to be preached, there's so much adversity there's so many groups trying to, well, you can't just believe. You got to do this, this, and this. I want to talk about that. Last week, I shared about how culture is becoming plus everything. You know, we got Disney Plus, and we got Paramount Plus, and ESPN Plus, and there's hundreds of things that, I mean, everything's now plus. You pay a little more, you get a little more. You know, it used to be just Disney, now it's Disney Plus. It used to be just ESPN, now it's ESPN Plus. So there's more. But here's the thing. Culture is going to go the way of culture. I'm not saying this is right or wrong. It's just the way culture is going. It's the new thing. It's where consumerism and streaming services are going. With Christianity, with Jesus, there's no plus needed. Right? There's no add-on that we need. If we got Jesus, we got it all. But there are groups, and they've been doing this for 2,000 years. Paul talked about it, and it's happened ever since to this very day. There's so many groups out there saying, you know what? We like Jesus. You've got to do this, this, and this. I just want to touch on a few just to give you some, some of my thoughts here. There are groups, Mormonism, also known as Latter-day Saints, they say, we like Jesus plus another guy, Joseph Smith. False gospel. Here's the thing. We believe Jesus is sufficient. <laughs> I don't hate Mormons. I love them. They believe a false gospel, and we need to know that and be able to communicate. We don't say, hey, we love Jesus plus our favorite guy over here. No. It's Jesus plus nothing. Jesus minus nothing is sufficient to save you from your sins. We don't add to it. We don't take away from it. We don't multiply and divide. We add no arithmetic to the name of Jesus. If you believe upon the Lord, you're saved. You don't need another guy. You don't need another pamphlet. You don't need another testament. You don't need whatever that group out there is trying to give you or me. It's unnecessary. Here's how it happens. In our, in our deep 
place of our heart, it's hard for us to accept that the gospel is that free. It really is hard for human nature to go, I am totally sinful and all I have to do is believe. Come on, I got to do a little more than that. I got to like at least do something, right? And so groups go, okay, we'll add a guy to it. You don't want to just be saved by faith? Well, we'll give you another guy. You don't want to just be saved by faith? Well, here's another doctrine. And so groups out of the goodness of their heart have surfaced to kind of fill that need, but it's, it's not needed. And I would go so far as to say, if we have received a gospel based on works or based on anything plus Jesus, it's not the gospel. And therefore, if we put our faith in something that's not the gospel, we're not saved. I want to put my faith in Christ alone. Now, here's the thing. When we really buy into that, there is such freedom. Because we're free, we can... It's like we don't spend the rest of our life trying to jump through hoops to please God. We already please God. I'm not jumping through hoops to get saved one day. I'm already saved. So everything I do is out of the goodness of my heart to please God and people. I'm, not tr- I'm fully pleasing to Him. And since I know I'm fully pleasing to Him in Christ, then I'm free. I feel so free. My choices are not to like, I hope God likes me one day. It's like, no, I know He likes me, so I'm going to go help other people. I want them to feel that same enjoyment. So there's, there's people who, you know, they add a, an extra guy. So Mormonism gives you Joseph Smith. And then there's, but there's other groups who say, you know, we love Jesus, but you got to listen to our teacher. Or we love Jesus, but you got to hear our favorite doctrine. Or we love Jesus, but you got to also do the law of Moses. We're going to get into that passage again tonight. Because this was real in the book of Acts. They said, okay, we, we love Jesus, but plus you got to do this, this, this. And I highlight this, again, I'm thinking in a move of God that's coming, so many people are going to want to get saved, and we got to have clarity. we got to be able to tell them, here's what you got to do. Really hard, just believe. <laughs> there, in our culture, there's so many people who are thinking, well, I just got to do so many good things to outweigh the bad. I got to, you know, ratchet up dedication over years. There's so many notions of what they think God is like. And when we tell them, here's the gospel, believe on the Lord Jesus. It just does something. It cuts to the heart. And, and we can't, because if we tell them it's 10 steps and they go tell their friend it's 20 steps and then their friend has 30 st- and then it's just completely complicated. Now, some say, well, it's we, we, we want to, we uh, or some, some groups say it's Jesus will save you, but you have to be in our denomination. Or some places will say, well, Jesus will save you, but you got to be at our church. Jesus will save you, but you got to get baptized. Jesus will save you, but you got to be a church member. And on and on. Here's the thing. Those are good. Denominations are good. Baptism, it's a biblical command. All these things are really important, but they don't save us. Last week, I talked about the thief on the cross, Alistair Begg. He's on the radio. He does a message on the thief on the cross. And he, he was, uh, you know, he, the thief, it was a totally made-up story, but the thief on the cross gets to heaven because Jesus said, you'll be with me in paradise. So the thief gets there, and the angel opens up the book. You know, hey, okay, who are you? Know, who are you? You're the thief guy? And, you know, how did you get here, Mr. Thief? And the thief goes, I have no idea. 
Well, you got to know kind of like the doctrine of justification. Can you just tell us, do you know anything? All I know is the guy on the middle cross said I could come to paradise. Oh, well, that guy happened to be Jesus. And so, yeah, you're good. You're real good. See, the guy on the, the thief on the cross wasn't baptized, wasn't a church member, didn't belong to a denomination, had n- absolutely nothing, didn't speak in tongues. And here's the thing, all these are great, but all he had was faith in Christ. Here's the thing, you can do it the last second of your life. I would encourage you not to wait because we might not know when that second might be. It could be sooner than we think. But here's the thing, at the very end of his life, imagine the mercy of God. There's people on either side of Jesus And one of the Gospels says they were both cursing him. But at one point, one of them's like, "Mm, I don't think I should anymore. I wonder if this really is the Son of God, the Messiah of Israel. And so at some point, even he was like, and then they had a little conversation, and it's something in there that was saving faith. And he turned his heart to the Lord, and the Lord said, you'll be with me in paradise. And so, yeah, when he gets to the angel in heaven, the angel, do you know any doctrine or what? Do you, you know, whoa, well, how'd you, you know, this is a mistake. And no, the, the thief just said that the guy on the middle cross, he said, I could come. And so it just further illustrates the point. Denominations are good. Churches are good. We, we must be involved. We, you know, prayer's good. House of prayer's good. I really like this one. You know, baptism, all these things, you know, giving our treasure and there's hundreds of things that we do as Christians none of them save us they all flow from salvation as gratitude to the Lord I have heard so many over the years so much confusion from sincere believers I mean we all have to work through these throughout our life Confusion about how do I get saved and how do I live that out? How do I get saved and how do I, you know, um, demonstrate that? The way in is Jesus. You just believe. I'm going to do another illustration. This is in the book of Acts because this is important. Go over to Acts 16 with me. Again, some of this is repeat from last week. Acts 16. Many of the apostolic leaders had just finished with a controversy. Again, they're preaching the gospel. I'm going to back up even further into Acts 15. They're preaching the gospel everywhere. And then there's this group that rises up. Certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you can't be saved. So the gospel is going forth with power, signs, and wonders. People are converting by simply believing. But here's these groups come out of the woodwork. We got the true gospel. If you want to be really saved, all you got to do is get circumcised like it says in the book of Moses, and praise God, that's not a requirement. And all the guys said, Amen. (laughs) Because this is not spiritual circumcision. They really circumcise you for real. And this is way before, yeah, okay, we'll get away from that. But they're saying, look, this is what it says in the law. So Paul and the leaders, they get together, they work through that. So this is just an example of one of the controversies that comes up. 
A chapter later, they're preaching the gospel again. They happen to be in jail for it. You guys know this story. They're singing at midnight. This is, I'm going all over the place. This is Acts 16, 25. They're singing and praying at midnight in a jail. This is Paul and Silas. There's a great earthquake. The prison doors break open. Verse 29, the person responsible for all the prisoners says, get me the light. Sometimes unbelievers prophesy and don't know it. (laughs) Get me some light in here. Well, it's coming for you, bro. (laughs) It's coming real hard and fast. The light of the gospel was about to break forth powerfully just like Zeke back there. So they run in a a lamp for him. He comes and he falls before Paul and Silas. He's trembling because he fears for his life. If the prisoners leave, he's dead. That's just how it worked back then. So God broke in. God broke him out. He's afraid for his life. And he asks a question that I think is one of the most helpful questions in the Bible. I'm really glad Brother Luke wrote this one down. He says to them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He didn't say it like that. I mean, he's on his knees shaking. Whoa, what do I got to do to be saved? I mean, he's just freaking out. What is happening? I mean, when God breaks in and God starts to happen, it really makes people who aren't saved tremble. There's a trembling. When God visits a city, there's a trembling. I mean, things happen. People get curious really fast about eternity and the things of God. And that's coming. This is stuff that's going to happen. People, they fall down. And we, we don't make a big ordeal out of this. I love what Peter did when the Roman centurion fell on his knees before Peter. And Peter said, stand up, we're both men. I am nothing better than you. Peter had been so deeply humbled so many times, he wasn't going to make some big ceremony out of it. Oh, people kneeled to me. No, no. Peter said, stand up. I'm a man just like you. I got nothing on you, bro. All I got is Jesus by grace. There's, I did nothing to earn this. Peter had failed so many times, he was convinced, there's nothing I did to earn this man's love. And that's so important. So here they are. He's trembling before Paul and Silas. And there's no room for, you know, oh, wow, look at us. No. What do I got to do to be saved? Paul's answer and Silas's answer, they both say, well, it's 10 steps. No, they didn't say that. <laughs> well, there's another testament. No, they didn't say that. They just said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. There's nothing more beautiful than that in heaven or on earth. How do I get saved? How do, how do I, a sinner, get my sins taken away? How do I get good with God? The apostolic answer, the biblical answer, the one that Paul would give if he were preaching tonight, he would say, you believe on this man that knocked me over on the road to Emmaus. I mean, the road to Damascus. If you believe in that man, if you believe in Jesus, you'll be saved. And he says, here's the thing, it's for you and your household. He wasn't saying that if dad believes, then that equaled salvation for everybody. What he was saying is, we're coming into your house, and we're going to preach the gospel, and every single one of them got saved, and that's what happened. And then they got baptized. They didn't need to get baptized for salvation, but that's a biblical command, so they did. 
Why do I say that? Here's why I say that. Some denominations teach that you're not saved until you're baptized. It's false. Or else, how does the thief get to heaven? He wasn't baptized. It's kind of hard. Dunk me in something really quick before I die. Baptism is a biblical command. The Lord's Supper is a biblical command. There's many things that are biblical commands, but they're things that we live out after salvation. They don't give us salvation. We can't confuse this stuff. We don't want to tell somebody who's really hungry saying, how do I get saved? Well, you do this, then you do that, then you do this, then you do that. Maybe 10 years later you're good enough because that's what he's thinking it means. We must be so clear as believers. If someone were to fall down at our feet tonight, what do I got to do? Believe in Jesus. What does that mean? Believe in Jesus. You're good now, man. (laughs) You're in. You die tonight, you're good. And here's the thing. When I was a young believer, I mean, I tried to get saved like 12, 15 times. I mean, I went to, you guys remember Hell's Gates, Heaven's Flames, that that production they did at all these churches. Man, I would go to that like every week when it was going. And I, at the end, I would do the altar call every, I mean, I wanted to make sure I was good. You know, and that's how we all are when we're new. We just kind of like, I was saved last week. I'm hoping I'm saved this, but I'm just going to go again. And I probably answered 50 altar calls when I was young in the faith. You know, I mean, I did so many. And, you know, for a while there, I didn't, I don't know a thing about the Bible. But as we grow and as we mature, we want to get solid on a few key points. I mean, we want to get solid on everything, but we're never going to get to where Jesus is until, you know. I mean, Paul was like, whoa. I mean, I want to get as much as I can, but I want to help people. And the way we help people is we preach truth. The Bible says that if you know the truth, you'll be free. Jesus said that. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. John eight thirty two. And so I want to preach the truth, as biblical as it is, because I want people to be free so they're not in bondage. One of the ways we preach the truth is we present the gospel clearly and accurately. And there's many implications of the gospel, but the very... You know, the, the, the tip of the spear is you believe on Jesus and you're good. You know, every church has their way of leading people to the Lord. But here's the thing. However you said that first prayer, it's good. Because it's more than just the words or where you are. It's the heart. I told people my story last week. I went to a Christian hockey camp, and at this Christian hockey camp, I grew up, I mean, I grew up Catholic, and so I went to Mass every Sunday, but I, I wasn't walking with the Lord. And, and so, I mean, I, I could have been going to a Protestant church, I could have been going to a charismatic church, it doesn't really matter what church I was going to growing up. What matters was I didn't know the Lord personally, but there came a day where I heard the gospel for the first time. One of my friends stood up, and it was at a Bible study before one of the hockey practices. He said, guys, I just want you to be clear on this. If you don't know Jesus, you'll go to hell. And it just hit me like Mike Tyson punched me. What? Who? How did I never know this? Who? No one told me this. And it It was one of those things where we all need to hear something before it clicks. It clicked. In that moment, oh, I didn't know that. And it wasn't fearful. It wasn't me being afraid. It was just like, huh, okay, well, then I want to get 
saved. I want to be a Christian. And so that night I knelt by my bed and I said, the, this is the prayer I said. I said, Lord, um, because I'm, you know, not, I'm not sure how to pray at this point. I just remember kneeling there. Lord, I, I heard that thing that Clage said today. It was my friend Clage Cable. I want to be like Clage. I mean, I want to be a Christian like he is. And so help me to do that. And I'm telling you, it was like a peace came over my body. I didn't have language for it. I didn't know what it was. I just remember feeling like, I'm in. Okay, let's go. <laughs> it's on now. And I didn't know I needed to be discipled. I didn't know how, what, I, I knew nothing at all. But deep in my heart, it's like I knew I was in, whatever that meant. And so for the last 20 years, I've discovered, oh, that's what that was. Okay, let's go. And I want everybody I know to come to a point where they make that decision and they continue to work that out, to walk that out the rest of their lives. So this question comes up, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Let's not complicate it further than that. We see Peter earlier on in Acts chapter 2. He preached from the book of Joel. He was making sense of what was going on. Guys, you're seeing tongues of fire. You're hearing speaking in tongues. This is what Joel spoke of. He says your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Old men will dream dreams. Da, 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 all the way to the end of the message. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Even in the Old Testament, salvation by faith was there all along. But it took the Holy Spirit coming and the church being birthed to give clarity to, oh, it's not works, it's faith in God. It's faith specifically in His Son that saves us. I praise God. I'm going to end with one quick thought here. It's a few minutes before midnight, so sorry to let you down, but had to, had to, okay. Some will say, excuse me, Derek, I appreciate that message, but we know that salvation is not just by faith, it's by works, like James said. I'm glad you asked that question because I have an answer tonight. One of the premier preachers of all time, Brother John Stott, who is in heaven, may be listening. I don't know how it works up there. He gave us an excellent response. I'm going to read this. Literally, this is in his devotional. Oh my goodness, I've read this through at least once or twice. I can't remember, I mean, definitely once. But it's, it's for, you know, one day a year uh, devotional. And he says this. I'm just going to read this and then we'll, we'll, we'll begin to close here. But this is John Stott. I'm going to have Zeke read this here because he's so, man, he's got some, he got some sugar in the system. He says, it is well known that James and Paul are supposed to have disagreed with one another on the subject of justification. That is to say, on how sinners can become accepted and pronounced righteous in the sight of God. 
Further, on account of this apparent theological discord, Martin Luther excluded James's letter from his New Testament canon, calling it a letter of straw. Certainly, there is an apparent discrepancy between these two apostles. For Paul taught that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law, whereas James wrote, you see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. Moreover, both apostles claimed Abraham as their champion. But the discrepancy is more imaginary than real. Paul and James had a different ministry, but not a different message. They proclaimed the same gospel, but with a different emphasis. The reason for this difference, different emphasis is that they were opposing different false teachers. Paul's opponents were Jewish legalists or Judaizers who taught that justification is by works done in obedience to the law. James's opponents, however, were Jewish intellectualizers who taught that justification is by faith, meaning a barren orthodoxy. To the Judaizers, Paul insisted that justification is not by works, but by faith. To the intellectualizers, James insisted that justification is not by orthodox faith, which he says in his letter, if you remember, that even the demons possess and shudder, but by a faith that works. This is how he ends. He says, both apostles clarified the nature of authentic faith, namely that it is a living faith that works. I will show you my faith by my works, wrote James. Faith working through love, wrote Paul. We cannot be saved by works, yet we cannot be saved without them. The place of works is not to earn salvation, but to evidence it. Not to procure salvation, but to prove it. Thus, both apostles taught that an authentic faith works. But Paul emphasized that faith that issues in works, whereas James emphasized the works that issue from faith. They would agree that faith without works is dead. Friends, in a culture that is selling plus everything. We don't need a Jesus plus. We just need Jesus. And faith in Him is how we are saved. And that's the pure and simple gospel. There's a million other things we could talk about, but let's not deviate from that. As Jude said, let's contend for the faith handed down to us. That faith includes a salvation by grace through faith. It's a salvation in believing in Christ. Not ten steps, not jumping through hoops the rest of our life. How do we get saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Amen. 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 Lord, we just simply pray. We're going to get together and pray as a group. But Lord, we just ask, let your gospel touch our heart. Let your gospel touch our community. East Peoria, West Peoria, North, South Peoria, throughout central Illinois. Let your gospel, let the message of Jesus take root. I thank you for our brother here tonight who takes pages and he puts them 
on all the house took 4,000 gospel documents and put them in people's hands and people's mailboxes. Lord, I pray that each one of those would have an impact, God. I pray that there would be a proliferation of the gospel in our community like no other community in history. Lord, just as I read in the book of Acts today, there was the community where the gospel went forth and it says in Acts 8 verses 8, there was great joy in that city. (laughs) Lord, we want to be a city where there is great joy because Jesus is king, because Jesus is proclaimed, because people are turning to you. Lord, let it be that the great joy of this great Savior and King just comes into our land like never before. Lord, I pray for those who are in the room and those who are hearing this message that Your grace would be with them, that Your Spirit would be with them, that Your encouragement would be with them this weekend and this coming week. In the name of Jesus, amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.